right, what's up, y'all? This is John Lawrence with Anesthesia Guidebook. This is episode 78, Thrive in Training, How to Transition to Practice. This episode is coming out at the end of May 2022. Now, this show covers advice for the last six months of anesthesia training that transition out of training and into the first six months of your practice. That year from the last six months of residency through the first six months of practice is epic. There's a huge learning curve that you're going to go through in the first six months after anesthesia training following, quote, the completion of training, right, when you graduate. Now, finishing training is a little bit of a misnomer, and I, I want to talk about that for just a sec before we get into the show. So this whole series has been called Thrive in Training. The focus has been helping you be successful in anesthesia training. In finishing training, which is what this episode talks about, and then transitioning to practice is an epic milestone in your career. In some ways, it is a finish line. It is the end of a long road. You have been working towards getting successfully through anesthesia school and passing boards for years. And I'm not talking about just the time that you've actually been in training, but even before that, all of the hard work and effort that you put into getting into anesthesia school, then the blood, sweat, and tears that you spilled getting through the program, it's just epic. It's we, We've been talking about how hard it is to explain to others and uh, just how difficult that path is. So when you're done, when you finish, it is a huge milestone. It is something to congratulate yourself over. It's something to celebrate. It's something to take a deep breath and a sigh of relief. But in terms of your clinical practice, it's not uh, really the finish line. It's the starting line. It's when the gun goes off. It's when you get a huge, massive green light to start your practice and really begin building your career. Uh, Training is where you lay the foundation. When you get done, the green light goes off. Uh, If you're an F1 fan, Monaco race is, is going on this weekend. If you're an F1 fan, it's when the lights go out. You've done a ton of prep to get there. Then the lights go out and the race is on. It's time to start your practice. So uh, this episode is going to talk a little bit about that, how to wrap up training, how to get through boards, and then how to transition successfully into the first six months of your practice. So uh, what's fun about this episode is that this was actually the first episode that I produced on the old show from the head of the bed where it was just me and the mic. So this episode originally came out in February of 2016. Obviously, the intro is fresh here in 2022, but the uh, the actual meat and potatoes of the episode is the first time I ever sat down with the microphone and just told y'all what I wanted to say. So I'm going to sound a little green in this episode. It's kind of fun to go. It's it's kind of adorable uh, to go back and listen to, but the content is on point. I was actually kind of impressed with myself. I think you're still going to enjoy it. There's still stuff that's relevant. And at the time, I really did want to kind of capture, you know, while it was fresh on my mind uh, as a lived experience, what it was like to go through the last six months of school, transitioning through boards, and then into my first six months of practice. So this was recorded probably eight months after I finished anesthesia school and passed boards. And I hope that you're really going to enjoy it. Just to kind of give you a primer, there's three huge things in the last six months of school. It's wrapping up your residency project or DMP project, securing a job, and passing boards. Uh, Then, you know, boards is epic. 
we've talked about that in recent shows, how to approach the C and the NCE. And then in your first six months of training, there's this massive learning curve that you're going to go through as you really begin to put all the puzzle pieces together, right? The lights go out, the race is on, it's time to actually do what you've been training to do for the last several years. And I think there's really two themes that come down. There's two questions that I ask myself a lot during that time. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And conversely, why am I not going to do something that I'm not going to do? And you have to answer those questions. Uh, It's where the rubber meets the road. You know, every day of your clinical practice, you're going to do things a particular way, or you're going to not do things a particular way. And the real question there is why? And I hope that you reach beyond, well, just because my residency had a particular style to it, or just because my program faculty or my preceptors taught me to do it that way. Now, I'm not saying don't do things that your program faculty taught you to do, obviously, like, you know, they're your mentors, they're, they're the ones that showed you the ropes and how to get going. But be sure that what you're doing is based on the evidence, right? So dig deep, like trust your training, go back to the textbooks, go back to best practices, continue to evolve your practice based upon the best evidence that's available. And that will change over time. Now, as you know, if you followed anesthesia guidebook, expertise in anesthesia practice is a huge theme of this whole podcast. It's, you know, it's, it's what I really focus on and encourage you in, in terms of developing true mastery and uh, helping you develop a, a a true sense of being an expert um, in your practice. And one of the things that's really interesting about that, that we talked way back on the actual episode that was about expertise in anesthesia practice, is that many people get out of training and they just do the same thing that they were taught in training for the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years of their career. And now they're this, you know, this gray-haired seasoned anesthesia provider, 20 years of experience under the belt, but they've really just been doing the same thing over and over and over for 20 years. They've not evolved their practice at all. So they're, you know, they might be good at particular things, but in some ways they may be a false master. They may be this, you know, kind of perceived, uh, you know, sage of, of the anesthesia department, wherever they're working, but really nothing's changed. They're just repeating what they learned in practice. And so I hope that that's not your story. Continue to dig deep, continue to stay fresh actually try to get something out of continuing education conferences uh, and, you know, reading the literature and continue to stay sharp in your practice. So asking yourself those two basic questions, why am I doing something or why am I not going to do something? And having the literature on best practices in anesthesia shape that decision-making is essential for developing true expertise in anesthesia. All right, so I hope you enjoy the show. As always, drop me your comments or questions on the website, on social media, or in an email. I'm at john at anesthesiaguidebook.com. And if you haven't already, please take three to five minutes, drop a review on Apple Podcast. Your rating, but especially your written reviews, uh, it helps the algorithm push the show out to more people. It helps the visibility of the show. And probably most importantly, it helps other people who are new to the show trust what we're doing at Anesthesia Guidebook. So if they see how this episode or this series or this whole podcast has helped you uh, through your written comments and ratings, it's going to help them trust the show and dive in and see what we have in store for them. So uh, thanks so much for listening. And with that, let's get to the show. So first off, this is a big year. 
I remember thinking in the year before that I graduated, really like the December before the May that I graduated, that it was going to be such a big year uh, for learning. You've got studying for boards and finishing school and like getting ready for all of that, which you basically go over everything you learned from anesthesia school again and try to retain that for boards. And then you get out and you have your first six months of practice and figuring out all of those things that you want to incorporate into your practice and just tons of stuff. So I wanted to kind of bring a lot of those ideas together and share them here. So hopefully it can be of use to other folks that are wrapping up anesthesia school. So let's talk about the last six months of anesthesia school. You've got three big things that will demand your attention. Landing a job, wrapping up your project or thesis, and crushing boards. My advice is the earlier you can knock out the first two of those, the better off you're going to be. So look for a job early. Get on Gaswork or Indeed.com and see what's out there. Think about where you want to be and the kind of practice you want to be at. Contact anesthesia departments, the hospitals you want to work at, even if there's no jobs posted. The chief CRNAs who work there usually know their staffing needs and if anyone's planning on leaving their group in the next few months. But definitely get your name out there early. I've got a podcast that goes into more detail on how to promote yourself as a CRNA uh, with my good buddy John Bradstreet, so be sure to check that one out. But definitely start early on the job hunt. If you can secure a job several months before graduation, it takes a huge burden of stress off of your shoulders. And the same goes with wrapping up your project. One of my classmates knocked her paper out almost a full year before we graduated. So the rest of us were scrambling that last semester, you know, meeting deadlines and studying for boards and job hunting, and she was chilling. She was completely done with her paper. And by the way, it got accepted for publication in the AANA journal uh, well before we graduated. So nice job, Jenna. Um, I'll put a link to her paper in the show notes. It's on the perioperative use of dexamethasone. And it really is a, a great paper. So, uh, And lastly, there's boards. It's a huge deal. This is the crux move. This is the high bar. It's like the championship game of anesthesia school or the solo class five run. It's just you in the old MBCRNA testing the boundaries of your knowledge. And everything rides on those 100 to 170 questions. So I could talk for a long time about preparing for boards, but I've distilled down these thoughts into 10 tips that I want to share with you. Number one is have the right mindset. You've got to get your mind in the game that you can be successful and pass boards. So these are some of the things that I would tell myself. One, most people who take boards pass. This is true. If you get through anesthesia school, you have the opportunity to pass boards the vast majority of people will pass boards. Uh, secondly, you're going to pass eventually. Now, that is not super comforting, but I had, to, I had to think about that. I needed to prepare for what if I don't pass? What's going to happen? Um, I had to get my head around that so that just in case uh, that crazy event happened that maybe I bombed the test that I was going to pass eventually. Just knowing that, knowing that you will become a CRNA and just believing that process will help you uh, get your head right and, and maybe alleviate some of the stress along the way. So you will pass boards. You can learn enough to pass boards. You have the capacity to be successful. Most people who take boards pass. Definitely get your have the right mindset. Number two, study ferociously. 
my wife and I started focusing on boards probably about six months out. And in that final push to prepare, we would study 10 to 12 hours a day, six days a week, probably for at least the five weeks out from boards. We usually try to have a light day in there. And that meant we only studied two to three hours a day on that day off. Uh, But we did a lot of studying. And looking back, I probably should have studied more. So there you go. Number three, find a balance and take care of yourself. You can't just study all the time. You need to eat well. You need to exercise. You need to sleep. In order to make the studying that you do the most effective it can be, You've got to take care of the rest of your life and find a balance. Number four, do timed practice exams. Simulate what you're going to experience during boards. So sit down, take a practice test, no music in the background, no notes, put yourself on the clock and roll through 100 to 170 questions. Uh, Do that a handful of times and you will start to kind of embrace the feeling of what boards is is going to feel like. Number five, do a dry run to your exam location. So figure out wherever you're going to take boards and literally uh, drive by, even park, go in, find the office. Pearson centers, they've got to pride themselves in hiding in like these obscure office buildings down some crazy dim lit corridor on some weird floor that's unmarked. It's just, they're classically difficult to find. So you don't want that stress the morning of your boards. Go in, find the office. You're going to feel a whole lot better when it comes time to go take your test. Number six, get your stuff together. Uh, Now, this kind of sounds like the mom tip, but it's true. Lay out all of your required documents and print out whatever you need and have your ID and your keys and all that kind of stuff. Get all that stuff laid out ahead of time. You definitely don't want to be scrambling around because you lost your keys the morning of your big test. Number seven, stop studying. Seriously, the day before, sometime the day before, stop. Put the books down. Close your computer. You're not going to learn anything that will help you, and you're probably just going to freak yourself out, scrambling to scroll through two and a half years of PowerPoint presentations and notes and flashcards in the last 12 hours. You've got to at some point say, you're done, you've made it, you've studied all you're going to study, Uh, So relax, go for a walk, have dinner with your family and get some sleep, at least for the couple nights before boards. If you can get really good sleep, it's going to make a big difference when it comes time for the big test. Number eight, take the exam very carefully. Don't rush through the exam. If you've done timed practice tests, you're going to have plenty of time to get through all 170 questions if you go that far in the allotted time frame know that you might go that far and and that that's okay. Uh, I was so excited when question 99 showed up. I was thinking one more question and then I'm done. And then 101 came and 110 came and 120 came. And I took that baby all the way to 170. Uh, And somewhere in there, I just resolved that this this was happening and I was going to go the whole way. Uh, But I made damn sure that if it was going to come down to those last 10 to 15 questions for the NBCRNA to figure out if I was going to be a CRNA or not, I made sure that I took those questions very 
carefully. And I had some doozies in there uh, that really made me think and, and stretch. And, and remember that a certain number of the questions are just for practice. So if you come across stuff that you've never even heard of, that you never came across in studying or anesthesia school or anything, just remember that some of those are practice questions. Tell yourself what's a practice question, answer it, and move on. Number nine, remember you will pass the exam eventually. So when you finish, take that little quiz that pops up about your testing facility, but relax, take a deep breath. When you go to get your paper for your exam results, just remember that, you know, be proud of how far you've come and know that becoming a CRNA will happen. Even if you have to take the exam again, you know, it's, it's costly, it's expensive, but whatever. In the long run, uh, this is just a hurdle that you've got to get over and it's going to happen. But number 10, the best tip of all, when you get that paper that says that you passed, you should go celebrate. There is no better feeling. It's done. It's over. No more school emails. You can take a poop without your flashcards. You can take a day off without feeling guilty. Uh, you should definitely send your friends and family a selfie with that paper you just got. Uh, it might be a reminder of what you look like since they haven't seen you in forever. It's going to be amazing. So definitely enjoy that moment. It's it's so worth any amount of blood, sweat, and tears you put in along the way to get there. Now, there's not a lot I want to say about the transition out of grad school, but what I do want to tell you is important. It goes by so fast. I was shocked by how fast it all ended. You put so much time into preparing for anesthesia school and getting there and meeting your new friends and figuring out who your professors are and, and all of this. And then at the end, it's just over and you blitz out of there and you don't see these people again unless you end up working wherever you went to school. Uh, so enjoy those last six months. You know, go out to dinner with your classmates, go out to dinner with the local friends that you have, especially if you plan on moving away. Um, definitely soak it up. Say thank you to your professors and your clinical faculty, even if you didn't like them very much. You know, if uh, you know whatever about how anesthesia school went. The fact of the matter is that you wouldn't be a CRNA without these people uh, giving their time, giving their effort and their energy and their professionalism to raising up future generations of CRNAs. If they weren't there, you wouldn't be a CRNA. So tell them thanks. It goes a really long way. So lastly, I want to chat about the first six months of working as a CRNA. This is an incredible time. It's so much fun. I want to hit on three aspects of this period. Your clinical work, uh, your, your potential, and I'll explain what that means, and then, and then finances. So there's four things I want to tell you about starting your clinical work in CRNA practice. Know the basics, trust the basics, have a rationale, and continue to grow. So here's, here's what that means. Number one, get to know the basics about where you're going to work. So take a little notebook or I put everything into the notes app on my phone. So I always have it with me, but write down the key telephone numbers you need, figure out who your resource people are and get their telephone numbers or pager numbers down, write down the basic stuff, the key codes to anesthesia carts and locker rooms and OR doors. It's so frustrating when you're overwhelmed with your cases and you're just thinking about what you're going to do for your next case and you forget the combo to the OR door and you've got to call someone to help get you in or something, something crazy like that. So write all that stuff down and keep it with you. Keep notes on surgeon names and preferences. It's definitely nice uh, as you learn about those preferences to 
not make the same mistake twice or just start out, you know, the next time you see that surgeon a month later, uh, you remember what their preferences are about something and, and it just makes your day that much smoother. So, uh, so know the basics about where you're going to work. Number two, trust the basics. Now this is about doing anesthesia. You're going to see new cases. You're going to work with new surgeons and you're going to have some challenging patients and you're going to feel overwhelmed at times. You're going to feel stretched. You're going to feel like you need some additional help at times. Uh, so ask for it if you, if you feel that way, but remember, you know how to do anesthesia. Trust what you learned in school. Trust the basics. Number three, have a rationale for what you're doing. Form the habits of your practice on real science and evidence. Know why you're doing something and why you're not going to do something. Don't just do things because that's the culture at your new hospital or, or that's just the way you did it in school. That's what someone showed you. This is your practice now. So figure out how you're going to practice and have a rationale for what you're doing. And along with that, the last thing about starting your practice in the first six months is be willing to continue to grow. Keep studying. Look up your cases. Stay open to new techniques that are sound and reasonable. As a friend of mine puts it, school teaches you the science of anesthesia, but working as a CRNA is really where you develop the art of anesthesia. So have fun and definitely keep learning. Another aspect of your first six months that I want to chat with you about is what I think about is your potential. Um, What I mean is that you have an incredible potential in this new role as a CRNA to influence those people around you and to build a lifelong satisfying CRNA practice. We did a podcast a couple years ago with Dave Andrews. At the time, he was the president of the State Association of CRNAs in Oregon, and he was also leading a independent CRNA group. You can check the podcast out on the website. But something he said in that podcast has never left me, and it's that CRNAs provide a service, and we are replaceable. You are not guaranteed your job. Neither are the anesthesiologists you work with or the group that you work for. Things change. And one of the best things you can do to position yourself for the future is to provide an exceptional service for your clients, who are many. Your patients and their families are your clients, as are the surgeons, the hospital, the staff. You've got to provide service for all of those different groups of people. And the healthcare market is always changing. So just remember that you provide a service. You are the one in the room. You're the face and voice of CRNA practice to the people you work with. You are the absolute number one best advocate for your profession, your own professional practice, and your own future work situation. So just capitalize on that concept rather than sitting back on your heels and taking your current situation for granted. You also have incredible potential to influence the people around you so that they can elevate their game and really perform to their best. And this sounds cheesy, but it's true. The beautiful thing about your CRNA practice is that you get to decide what it's going to be like. You don't have to be rude and condescending or belittling like some of your preceptors were. You don't have to be like that. You can break the chain. You can elevate your game. Uh, You don't have to be arrogant and flaunt your income and knowledge like some of your colleagues will. You can be different. You can empower those people around you while providing exceptional anesthesia care to your patients. You can own your practice. You can be highly intelligent in what you do. 
and inspire other people to better practice and better days at work. It's totally your choice and you have incredible potential as a CRNA. Now, finances. This is another big part of the first six months of your CRNA practice. Now, I plan to do a lot more on this in the future, both on personal finances and business topics in anesthesia, but I wanted to hit on a few key things just to get started. First, have fun. Now, this is not necessarily one of those gems of wisdom that has been passed down to me by other people, but this is definitely my own take on the situation. And, and no one ever says that about finances. I don't mean to go out and blow all your money, but gain some perspective. One of the big benefits of all the hard work you've put in and the responsibility that you take on a daily basis in your career is that you generate a very large earned income. And that's amazing. You probably have a lot of debt to pay off and a lot of goals to reach, but recognize that your ability to do those things just got a lot better. You're in an incredibly privileged position and are going to get ready to make decisions that not a lot of people have the chance to make. So definitely remember that. Have fun, relax, keep us into perspective on what's going on. All right, so here's, here's, some, here's some real advice that I've gotten from other people. One, get a plan together. Uh, if you've got other people involved in your financial decisions, involve them. Pull your spouse, pull your partner in. Uh, be gentle with them. You might be the one making the big bucks now, but they probably helped endure the financial hardships that all of you went through the last couple of years. So be inclusive, be gentle on one another as you get going, plan together. Uh, you know, this is another big piece of advice that I got. Get your financial advice from someone or from a handful of people who have made similar income as you. Those people have the perspective that you're going to need on your situation. Secondly, think about where you're going to work. Not all jobs pay the same. When I was looking around at jobs, I found a pay gap of about $60,000, meaning the very top paying jobs, and these are all new grad jobs, the very top paying jobs that I saw were offering starting pay around $60,000 over what the lowest paying jobs were offering. That's a huge pay gap. That, that can make a big difference when it comes to paying off debt and meeting your other financial goals. But there's usually a reason that those really high paying jobs are paying that much money. Uh, I'd venture to say that they're probably having to pay that much money to get people to work in those places. Maybe not, but that's something to keep in mind. Why are they paying that much money? So think about that. On the other hand, if you're looking at a couple jobs and maybe they're only five or $10,000 in difference of pay, that might seem like a lot of money coming out of school, but really you might start to really consider the other aspects of the job. You know, what's going on with the location and the, the type of group and the culture at that practice. You might be a lot happier working somewhere that's a better fit for you that pays less money than what that, you know, five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars could do for you on the financial side of things. So find a balance there. Another piece of advice is to remember that you don't make as much money as some of the people around you. You don't make as much as a surgeon or an anesthesiologist or even a CRNA who's debt-free with years of income. So don't act like it. You also will work around folks who make dramatically less than you. Be professional when you talk about money in and around the OR and keep a sense of perspective on things. Lastly, have becoming debt-free be a major part of your plan. I'm not debt-free yet, but from what it sounds like from those who have crossed over to the other side, 
It's definitely worth the effort of all that delayed gratification. There's no better feeling than knowing you're moving in the direction of where you want to be in life, and that's true with finances, and that's true with your other goals. Finally, I want to leave this with you. Find a balance in your life. You've made huge accomplishments in finishing anesthesia school and becoming a CRNA. That process has undoubtedly come at a cost to you and to your friends and family. Give back to those relationships. Give your time and energy. The people who supported you along the way deserve some kind of a payoff as well. This is also an amazing time that you can reinvent yourself in. If there's something that I've learned in the time frame of going to grad school and turning 30 years old and making some big transitions in my life is that there are seasons to life. It's not static. What once was does not always have to be. So pick out some trajectories you want to set. Put some goals out there and work towards them. You've proven that you can accomplish amazing things through time, effort, and hard work. This may be the time to read some books, pick up a new hobby, dust off an old one, learn a new language, get in shape, be healthy. Whatever you do, have fun, go big, and enjoy the process of stepping into an entirely new career. Thanks for listening. Hey y'all, John here. If you're digging the show, will you take a couple of minutes and drop a review of Anesthesia Guidebook on Apple Podcasts? Your comments and ratings help other people trust the show. Also, send a leak to the podcast to your classmates and colleagues. Word of mouth is the best way for Guidebook to grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.